Hello, everybody, and welcome to Mom of the Hard Kid. Today, we're going to be talking about the little behaviors that your kids do, the ones that kind of fly under the radar. Sure, we recognize when your child hits somebody. Sure, we recognize when they don't hand in their homework. Sure, we recognize big behaviors, locking themselves in their room or you know, stealing stuff, but the little behaviors, which I suppose could fit any of those things as long as they kind of fly under the radar. So at our home, we have four children, the oldest of which is 13, all the way down to five. And the youngest one who is in kindergarten is the one that has a lot of diagnoses attached to her. She's got reactive attachment disorder, disinhibited social engagement disorder, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, PTSD, ODD, I don't know, all of the things, like just a lot of things in her. And that's because she has a rather chaotic story that resulted in us adopting her. So she has a lot of past trauma that results in a lot of really interesting behaviors. But over the years, we have learned a few things to help her and just to shove those in there and not to be evasive. It's just being purely honest with her and always being on top of her actions, which is going to come into play in this conversation. Because when you have a child who has reactive attachment disorder, part of their favorite thing is just being able to trick you just being able to elude you. It just gives them a dopamine rush and they are in dopamine chase at all times. So now we have a five-year-old daughter. The oldest of our four children is 13. And then we go down to the kindergartner and she is interesting. She's also adorable and all of those other things. So don't think that's not there. But she has what I, without any medical professionals telling me, have sort of aligned with borderline personality disorder. She views her relationships in a kind of an all or nothing sort of way. So when she starts getting irritated at people, she tends to be passive aggressive, things like that. So, so know that that's where we're coming from when I'm talking about these things, but I'm not specifically talking about her I kind of want to talk about all of the kids right now because it's those little behaviors that they do that drive me positively insane. So what I mean by this is, for example, today, today we all get up, everyone's really tired. We've just had daylight savings. And even though we've gained an hour, everybody is just all off in their timing. So I send everybody back to bed after we wake up. So everybody's up at 630. I send them back to bed until seven. But little one can't do it. She's five years old. She's the one that was complaining she was tired. And yet she can't do it. She can't go back to bed. So she's in her room and she's throwing stuffies at her sister and she's doing somersaults on the floor and she's like climbing under this little seat thing that they have and just she's can't help herself, which in a way I get it. She's five years old. But when you add it to everything, it just is a little frustrating. So at seven o'clock, we call everyone to go get ready for school. And I sit there with her and I say, hey, little one, 
you know, I asked you to get on your bed. You were the one that said you were tired. Everybody said they were tired, but you didn't. And I needed you to be on your bed. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, oh, okay. But because I have caused a recognition that she isn't a perfect child, (laughs) I have now ruined the entire morning. So she gets self-conscious. Now, when I tell you that's how I talk to her about it, that's how I talked to her about it. I didn't get mad at her. I it was already over. I could have stopped her at any time in the middle of it and I and I didn't. I just told her, you know, I have an expectation that when I have you guys go back for sleep that you will let everybody sleep and that you will also sleep. That kind of thing. So she's upset. So then she's in the laundry room and she's chasing everyone around because now she's dysregulated. She's upset. She's dysregulated. She's frustrated. And she views her and my relationship as being off kilter. I keep using that word. It's the only one that's coming to my mind today. But because it's not sitting well, she's then upset at everything. So then she chases her brother and she throws his paper airplane, which was special to him. And she gets caught chasing her brother. So I come out of my bedroom, she's chasing her brother, and then she, um, he goes into his room and slams the door. That's how I, that's how they all got caught, is I was like, what's going on? And she will tell me this absolutely made up story, 100% fake false story about what happened. And she can do some pretty amazing tears that are very insincere, but they If I didn't know her so well, I might believe her. But because this happens all the time, and she can turn them on and off. No problem. I mean, dripping down her face. It is quite the skill. So she will do that kind of behavior, crying about how she was not chasing him. She did not have his airplane, even though it's sitting at her feet. And she, no, why don't I ever believe her? Why can't I ever understand her? Why can't, what, and she will shove it off of herself because she doesn't like being thought of as having done something wrong, even if she has. So she'll shove it back at me for being, accusing her and why don't I love her and all of those things. Okay. And at this time, all I've done is say, quit chasing your brother. (laughs) But she's lost. She's dysregulated. She's lost. And, And when I say these are the little things, it might not sound like it as I'm explaining it. But this is these are little things. So then she comes up and um he, she's in this part of our house that has wood floors. So everything echoes. It's really loud. So I tell her that if she'd like to cry, she can just sit there and cry or she can go cry in her bedroom where it's quieter, but I'm going to go in my room and get ready because it's too loud for me and I need to get ready. So that makes her really upset. But then when she doesn't have an audience, she stops crying and she heads into the kitchen Well, I tell her that she needs to make a sandwich. She really loves making her own sandwiches up until like today. (laughs) So I tell her she's supposed to make her sandwich and she's just sobbing. So I say, what's wrong? And she says, nothing. I just can't believe you don't like me. I can't believe all, you know, all that stuff. So instead of sitting her down, 
like I have a million times in the past and saying, I like you. I don't offer that to her anymore. Because she is doing this for attention, the best thing I can do is say, oh, that's too bad you're having a rough day. <laughs> and then and then go on. Because if you focus on it, she thrives on the focus. So I can't do that. So then she doesn't make a sandwich. She ends up taking with permission, which is lovely, one of her dad's protein shakes. And she doesn't make a sandwich. She's got granola bars packed in her lunchbox and a protein shake. And that's and an applesauce. <laughs> I was like, no, you have to have some more substantial food than that. So then it's crying all over again about how much I don't like her and how I won't let her do this and how how everybody thinks she's a liar, which is true because she does lie a lot, but it had nothing to do with what was being talked about. So by the time it's time to leave for school, We've resolved our issues by having just a little talk where I give her her medication so that she's okay during school. And then I say, I hope you have a good day. And then she's fine because all of a sudden I've mended our relationship in her eyes. She's gotten to a point where she'll accept it, know that she's not always at this point and she will accept it. And so she's fine. But then she's sad that we ever had an argument And it goes on. So these are the little things. What do we do about the little things? The little stealings. I found out that she'd been stealing candy. I mean, granola bars this morning. I found out this morning that she'd been stealing granola bars. I bought a big pack from Sam's Club. And I bought them like on Thursday and they're halfway gone. So I was like wait a minute. And we're really close to Halloween at this point. She doesn't get her Halloween candy. And I can explain that to you really quickly because I think people will freak out about it. I may have already explained it, but because she has such a hard time with sugar, we got her a happy meal instead. So we said, Hey, here's your happy meal. You can still go trick or treating and you can have anything that doesn't have a lot of sugar in it. So we actually... I allowed her to keep the Rice Krispie treats and stuff, even though they have a lot of sugar. Um, she There's no artificial colors in there. And so she does a lot better with those than she does other candy. Uh, but those are still like held for a separate purpose. But she got to keep all of her drinks. She got to keep all of her chips. And then we would give her, her sister, <laughs> so sweet, paid her for some of her candy. And then we give her, I bought like these snacks, like these little like cheese with like the little breadsticks and things like that. I buy her a bunch of snacks that she can have access to because she does so bad with her sugar. That was a long side note, but I know that people get really triggered when they find out that people who shouldn't be consuming massive amounts of candy don't consume massive amounts of candy. (laughs) A little snarkiness on my part. I apologize. But so when it comes to these little behaviors, these ones where they're whining, but they're not really whining about anything serious or, or they're taking a little bit of things here and there, or they're, you know, lying a little bit, just a little bit, nothing terribly big, nothing chaotic, nothing serious. What do we do? 
What do we do when we confront those behaviors? In our case, the best thing that I have come up with is number one, I have to change my mindset. I have to realize I am not going to have a child who will probably get this. I have to be willing to say, hey, her mind is wired in a way where this is just not going to happen. So I need to be able to approach it in a way where my expectations have changed. Now, when I say this, I don't mean lower your expectations. I don't mean say, oh, well, because my child is prone to stealing, it's okay that they steal every once in a while. Like that's not, that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is when my child comes in and I found out that she has been stealing stuff, I approach it like, "Uh uh-oh, you know that you're not supposed to do that. So instead of that drop feeling of, oh no, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I have a kid who would steal stuff, which has definitely crossed my path before. I now say, of course I have a child who steals stuff. I've met her before. She's done it a million times. It's part of her impulsivity. But I will say, "Uh uh-oh, you're not supposed to do that and you know it. So now we have to figure out some way to fix this, to give you punishment or to make it right. So a lot of the times she's not going to be regurgitating those granola bars. She's not going to be, you know, (laughs) fixing things in a way. So then I'll say, because you did that, you don't get your protein drink at lunch today. Because you took this, you actually are grounded from granola bars for the rest of the week or because you did that and I will always make sure that she has a consequence for her actions but it doesn't have to be an immediate consequence and it doesn't have to be a severe consequence I like to make it obnoxious to her she loves her granola bars so taking away her granola bars I think is totally fair when she's been stealing them But she also, I've given it a duration of time that she's frustrated about, which is kind of unique because she's been taking them without permission anyway. But now I've hidden them. Now they get to be hidden and she doesn't have access to them. But a lot of parents with this particular thing will get a lock for their pantry. So no, for those of you who are in that particular scenario know that you can get a lock for your pantry and I know (laughs) it has worked really well for a lot of people our pantries don't lock we have weird little doors that just have no connectors to anything it's hard to explain but they don't lock but I also have approached it from a situation where she's not Uh, a child who gorges herself, which can also be a problem with these children. So she will eat till she's not hungry anymore. And then she'll stop eating. So that's lucky. But I've approached it from a a standpoint of you're going to have temptations, we're going to teach you how to deal with those temptations at home. So so that's one of the reasons why I don't lock my pantry. But I do know that locking the pantry works for a lot of people. And when it comes to her lying, I've talked about this in another episode about lying where I just say, oh, 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 and I say, oh, because she's five, you know, I say, oh, I would love to be able to believe you. 
but you've lied to me so many times in the past that I don't know that I can believe you. You have to understand that when you say these things, I have to balance it against whether or not you tell me the truth and you don't have a history of telling me the truth. And so I can approach so many of these things in a more calm manner by changing my expectation and still holding her accountable. Now, when she is crying and she's telling me she did not chase her brother and she did not throw the paper airplane at him. (laughs) I mean, this is, this is low stakes stuff. This it's, he's going to live. He's 11 years old. He's going to live if she throws a paper airplane at him. But, but I still want her to know her behavior is bad, but I have to, again, approach it very delicately because of her, uh, relationship sensitivity issues. But when I have done this, I have found that it keeps me from going into my fight or flight and it keeps her from going into her fight or flight. If you have a child who has a traumatic past or a child with reactive attachment disorder, I have found that if I am in my fight or flight, she is in her fight or flight and I can get out of it way faster than she can. She sticks there and she stays there and, and then she like digs deeper and it turns into awfulness. So if I can remain calm by changing my expectations and just, you know, approaching it from a more calm perspective, then I'm able to keep her from spiraling down. This has taken a lot of time. My first three children. So just to give you an idea, my very first child is a, um, some, something of a perfectionist. Maybe she does not like to fail. She, when she was 11 months old or 10 months, nine, I don't remember. I think she's nine months old and she's starting, she took her first step and she fell down and she threw the biggest tantrum. And then she would not try to walk again until she was 11 months old. She wouldn't even try. She wouldn't put her feet down. She wouldn't do anything. And that's kind of how she's approached her whole life is she does not want to fail. She doesn't want it to happen that way. So when it came time for me to say, hey, child number one, you need to do it this way, she would try really hard to do it that way. Now, she would also fight me and she also has her oppositional defiance stuff, but she would still, it mattered to her that she still tried to do things right. And then I get my next kid who in some ways was just like, I don't really care. Okay, I'll do that. Okay. And then my third kid was, was my easiest in so many ways. And he'd just be like, yeah, I want to do that. Yeah, I want it. So here I have this kid who now doesn't want to do anything I'm telling her. So if I'm saying to her, I need you to stay here, don't go past the sidewalk, or you're going to be in this road and we live on a fairly dangerous road, you know, she would past the sidewalk on purpose. So, so there were so many times when I'm like, I said, don't do that. No, you know, sometimes for her own safety and sometimes because I'd lost my mind, I'd never encountered somebody who wanted to defy me so much. So now that I am 
more practiced in this and I've done this for years and I've fallen into my health issues and there's only so much I can do. I'm able to approach so much of what she has with a lot more calm. And I do think as parents of children who are difficult, who are harder than the average child, I think that with parents who are like me, there was a desire to have to fix them, a desire to work out every kink, a desire to give them the most optimal future and a desire to have like figure it out, figure out how to get this to work. And I needed to change my mindset. My, I have one child who has inattentive ADHD. And that can be really difficult because you're trying to get ready. You're trying to leave for school. And he's in the living room bouncing a balloon with his jammy and socked body because he has not gotten dressed. He hasn't gotten his lunch together. He hasn't combed his hair. He hasn't brushed his teeth. He hasn't done anything because there was a balloon. And so he got so distracted. And for a long time, I really tried to fix those behaviors. But instead, I now know that he knows But I also know he doesn't know what to do with it. So I had to change my focus and I had to change my expectations. So instead I say, hey, you know what? If you're not ready, you're going to go to school like that (laughs) because I'm not. And and I, I guess these are all things that we say with varying levels of anger. But what I'm saying is once I shifted my expectation, I was able to get rid of that fight or flight anger I was able to let go of it 90% of the time. Now, that 10% is still real. (laughs) It's still not always very pretty. But to have that reduced to such a degree has not only helped me mentally, but helped me physically. Having so much stress in your body is really damaging. And having difficult children is really stressful. So when you're confronted with these tiny things. I hope that you are able to view it in a way where you can reframe from I need to fix everything and I need to make sure this doesn't happen and I need to make sure they understand this to reframe it and say my kid has some character flaws that are just hardwired in and they're probably going to be there for the rest of my child's life. So what I want to do is I want to teach him coping skills. My one who is constantly kicking the balloon instead of getting dressed. I have to teach him coping skills. So I tell him, hey, because of your inattentive ADHD, I've got to teach you some coping skills and you have to figure some out on your own because you're going to have to survive in the world. And being able to approach it in a way where you lose your expectations of that perfect child that would be so calm for you to know that you can reach that calm or at least get really close without having to change your child in any way is a really healing experience to let them be the flawed people that they are, knowing that they have to deal with the flawed person that we are. 
but being able to change our expectations and increase our love by letting go of some of the things that are really difficult. Now, this seems like a lot to do when it's all the little things, but the little things, they're just little things. Let them be little things. Because if you have a hard kid, you know there's some big things. And instead of ignoring them, you can still approach it. But if you change your expectations, you're going to find life a whole lot easier to live. I wish you the best of luck. Thanks so much for joining me.